0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. Friends, I wanted to take a minute today to thank all those who have helped get this podcast on the air. In the beginning, to Bruce Mackey and Jordan Cooper for technical support and advice to get this thing started. Curtis and Justin Hartshorn for the intro music. Pearl Limus for all her work in social media and helping to birth this idea. Caden Carlton and Adam Shepsky for video work on some of our episodes, the entire Disciple of City staff for support and getting behind this project, and my bride Amy for taking countless pictures and videos in the green room. Thank you also to our supporters as this podcast is not for profit with everyone involved having a heart for Christians to be encouraged and people searching to find the truth in Christ. So please subscribe and share this podcast with friends to help encourage one another. And a special hello today to all our listeners in the United States and the Philippines. May you be blessed. Today, friends, we head back out to Saskatchewan and chat with our friend originally from Pinehouse Lake. Together, they have a ministry called Inspire Fire. Please welcome Wade and Jenny Sanderson. Hey, guys. (laughs) Hey. Hi. Welcome back, Wade.
1: Yes. Good to be back.
0: And hello, Jenny.
2: Hello. Excited to be here. <laughs>
0: yeah, we had such a great convo with Wade in episode 28, just a couple back. And, um, you know, we were just diving so deep into your story and your testimony. Um, and I wanted to talk about your ministry and, and what you are doing as a couple. Um, so I'm glad you guys could come back and and we could hash out some time here. Amen. So, Jenny, um we've heard Wade's story now, uh, let, let's hear a little bit about your background, where you grew up and, and, uh, how Jesus became real to you in your life.
2: Sure. Yeah. So, um, I grew up in, a little ish town in Ontario and, um, Um, Yeah, I kind of grew up with a a rougher background. My parents um, just struggled with some mental health stuff. And um, yeah, in our home, there was like domestic abuse, violence, that kind of stuff. So it was really challenging growing up. I was an only child. And so um, when you're an only child, you kind of don't have other siblings to like bounce ideas off of like, is this normal? How do I handle this? So on and so forth. Because yeah, so I just kind of thought it was normal. And then as time went on it was actually really cool when i was seven years old um, i went to public school and there was a, another girl there who invited me to church and she became my best friend and her family lived a couple blocks away and um, i gave my life to jesus in sunday school at about age seven and yeah they were just like a, the scripture says god puts the solitary in families And that's what it was for me. She had three other sisters and um, they were just amazing. They would drive me to church, drove me to youth group. Like I became like, they call me the fifth sister. So, so that was kind of um, my growing up life. God. God is so good, and He encountered me. I remember one specific like encounter was I had um, my parents were having a really bad fight, and I just didn't. I would get real angry, and I would just try to like run away and like forget things were happening. And so I, I went on a bike ride with like my little friend or whatever. And I remember just like getting really late and not wanting to go home. And um, on my way home, I just prayed because I remember they taught me in Sunday school to pray, and and that the word of God would be a way that God would speak to you. So it was like maybe eight or nine nine, 10, something like at that age. And so I just prayed as I got home because I knew I couldn't stay out all night and I said, God, like, I know you're real. Can you just make there be peace in my home when I get there? So I got home and I went into the house and it was totally quiet and and like peaceful. And so that was the first miracle. And then I felt like, Hey God, I need to know you're here. Cause it was just so quiet. And like, it felt weird. And, and I I had a Bible on our coffee table. I opened it and uh, I literally opened it to Isaiah and I believe it's Isaiah 43 that says, you know, um, do not be afraid for I will save you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And I'm paraphrasing, but when you go through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the fire, you will not be burned. Um, I am the Lord God that, that called you and saved you. Right. And so it was like the Lord speaking directly to me as a kid. And I just knew in that moment, God was real, that he was for me, that he was going to walk me through any trial that I went through. So, so that was kind of my, my growing up life and encountering him younger. When I was about 17 or 18, um, I kind of had a lot of anger. <laughs> and so it, about that age, you know, you're finding yourself, you're being more independent. And I chose to walk away from God for um, a year when I went to university. And I was like, you know, I try to be perfect. You know, the enemy lies to you sometimes. And and the lie that he really used with me growing up was if I was perfect and if I could just do better and get even better marks, even though I was on the honor roll, I was in in the school paper I was like in the musical I was on students council but I was like I'm not doing good enough because if I was more perfect my parents would be happy and they'd stop fighting and you know and it's a total lie but when you're growing up you don't even realize that that that's a lie right you kind of internalize these ridiculous lies (laughs) and so when I was about 17 or 18 I was like I'm just done I've tried my best and God, like nothing is changing. So I'm just going to do things my way now and kind of got in with the wrong crowd, drinking, partying, promiscuity, you name it, like all that kind of garbage. Right. And, and just found myself in really a dark place, but also, um, unsafe. Like I was hospitalized once and like, if it wasn't for like God, I don't think I would have made it out. Like at the exact right time, like someone called, they called it like EFERT back then in university where um, like the emergency services or whatever, and they came and like how to do CPR and stuff. So, so I was really in like, that would be my lowest point I would say. Um, And then all through university, I started going back to church, but um, I didn't really encounter him and like give my whole surrender until I was about 23 or 24 yeah i can i can tell you more about that but yeah w- let me know what you w- want to hear well, it's going.
0: yeah yeah it doesn't get any lower than cpr that's
2: yeah <laughs> that's Very pretty true. low
0: um mm-hmm. w- when you when you were little just jumping back a little bit mm-hmm. like had your parents had any faith background or or were you did you ever go to church with your parents at all or no it was just this other family
2: Yeah, um, my dad's dad, so my grandpa, and actually my great grandpa as well, I found out where my grandpa was a pastor, full-time minister, and my great grandpa was also in full-time ministry, Um, but being a PK, my dad, like, you know, there's a lot of pressure, and so he just kind of walked away from all that, you know, he felt like um, judged by the church, really had a lot of church hurt, so um, we did try, I remember my dad trying to get us to all go to church as a family when I was really little, like three years old or whatever, but my My mom was actually raised in Jehovah's Witnesses um, and just had a lot of baggage from that spirit of religion and control. And so it didn't go well and it was always a fight. So we stopped going to church as a family when I was about three or four. And then, yeah, then, then I got invited by a friend at seven. Yeah. (laughs) So did
0: they stay together? Like when you went to high school and off to university, did they stay together?
2: they did um they would break up about every six months (laughs) um and by breakup i mean they would just have a huge blowout you know sometimes my mom would call the cops whatever and then my dad would leave for like a week or two and like there would be it wouldn't be talked about and then he would just come back like nothing ever happened and if i talked about it they'd be like you're not a part of our relationship you know we you don't get a say in this kind of deal like just be quiet. So so it was really confusing and I really didn't understand love or stability and I knew my parents loved me to the best of their ability like literally even now like they are my biggest supporters they come to like every preach that I did when I live back in Ontario like they give the shirt off their back for me but um yeah it was very confusing <laughs> looking at romantic love like that and marriage and stuff so
0: Oh I can it would be so hard just the the stress for everybody for you your dad your mom just everybody just so stressful uh, Yeah um so what happened so what happened at 23 23 so, 24 um, what what yeah
2: yeah, I was living in Europe, actually, at the time. I moved a lot. I love adventure, but I was actually running from my past, right, and not wanting to deal with issues, and uh, I was in a serious romantic relationship at the time. He moved to Europe with me, um, and I i guess what happened was everything kind of just came to a halt. Like, the Holy Spirit, I realize now from that prayer that I said back when I was seven, like, like Wade's kind of testimony um, where he talked about he was in Mexico and the Holy Spirit was there when he was running from the Lord. Kind of a similar thing. I was in Europe running from the Lord, essentially. And the Holy Spirit was like hounding me. Like I could feel him like calling me to end this relationship and like calling me to go deeper with him again and come back. And I can't explain it, but it was like this lack of peace because I knew that that there was more, you know? And so um, long story short, I just finally came to the end of myself and I was like, okay, we're done. Uh, This isn't right. Like, and we broke up. And after that, that's when I really started going deeper with the Lord again. And through a series of many events, I ended up back in Canada. I got on the school board there. I was a public school teacher um, at that time. And that's when I gave my full surrender where I was like, okay, God, I know that like, everything is going to change. Like I've been living in and out going to church, but also partying. Like I just knew I can't explain it better than I knew in my spirit that this was going to be the ultimate surrender. There'd be no looking back. And um, yeah. And that was, that was it for me (laughs) in terms of like the ultimate surrender. There were so many trials that came right after I made that decision. Like I can't even explain how much happened after that, but um, to give you one word that the Lord gave me, during that season was that um he's like before jenny (laughs) because i was like god i gave you everything why is this happening now and god was like jenny before you were going the same way as the world you know so there was no resistance because you weren't doing anything to like change the world or bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and now you have a target on your back because now you're a warrior for light you know you're pushing back darkness of course the enemy is not going to like that you know and by nature you know some people are fight some people are flight by nature, I'm kind of more of a fighter in the Holy Spirit now. Thank you, Lord. And um, that really spoke to me. And I needed to hear that. And I said, you know, you know, I'm never going to give up. I am never going to back down. Like, this is my call in my life. I want to push back the darkness. I want to bring heaven to earth. Um, so, yeah, through that season of, of trials, after giving my life to Jesus, my parents separating was one of them. Um, God was just so faithful. And, and just to, like, give you a little taste of how faithful he is after years of a couple really hard trials. My parents are now saved. (laughs) My dad, I ended up going to ministry school when I was 28. My dad gave his life to Jesus at my graduation, my ministry school graduation, which was so cool. And after my parents separated, which was a very messy event at the time, my mom um, started going to church. She started going to the church that I grew up um, going to when I was like seven, eight, nine. And uh, I just found community there. She still attends there. So like God is so good in the midst of your trials. So anyone listening, like, I just want to encourage you, like, do not give up, do not give in. If you do not quit, you win. Galatians six, nine says, do not grow weary in doing good for at the right time. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. So hallelujah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome that your parents uh, came to faith too. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. It's interesting too, uh, what you said of going to church, but yet still partying. And there yeah. were times where I'd be at a church hungover or worse yeah. and yeah. how you, how you're there and you think that you're the only one and everybody else is so much higher or in such a better place. And that's such a lie too, right? Cause there's, mm. there's other people that are dealing with that stuff too. So this isn't a, you know, a solo story, if you will. Right. So. Right. So what, what brings uh, an Ontario girl to Saskatchewan, or did you guys meet somewhere else?
2: Well, this is the craziest story. Like, actually, like, God is so cool, and, like, how he does things is so amazing. Let me precursor it. So when I gave my full life to Jesus, like, 23, 24, I started pre- praying, <laughs> praying for my future husband. The first couple of years, I wasn't sure. I thought it was called to singleness <laughs> because I'm like, I just called to be a Paul. I just want to be a missionary. Ever since I was 16, I wanted to be a missionary, but you know, the enemy gets you off track. And and when I came back to Jesus, it was like this burning into me to be a missionary and like bring the gospel to dark places. And he had, God had to do some work first, right? I was like in counseling and, but you have that vision before you. So I started praying for my future husband. Once I realized that I was not called to singleness that I had a desire for marriage. And so over the years, we're just like writing notes and prayers to my future husband. And, um, and then when I was finished ministry school, so I did ministry school at 28, um, And then I did another ministry school for like three months on prayer. And then anyways, I got a prophetic word from someone saying like, Hey, like I kind of see you in Saskatchewan or like Manitoba. And at that time I was thinking, I want to move to like Reading. I would love to go to Bethel school, supernatural ministry. Like I like surfing. Like, and I'm so I'm like, rebuke that (laughs) Saskatchewan (laughs) is cold. (laughs) Um, but I did not dismiss it because, um, I, I honestly like keep every single prophetic word that someone gives me in my phone ever since i got saved um and i just like put them on the shelf if it doesn't make sense right away um but i just let it go i'm like hey god if this is you confirm it and if not i release it <laughs> and uh, he confirmed it in so many ways like i got i went to work the next day and one of my grade four students was like in library he's like miss miss cote penrose back then he's like miss look at my magazine and on the cover of the magazine it said like saskatchewan hunting and fishing and i was like Lord. (laughs) Um, So through a series of many events like that, I ended up moving to Saskatchewan. I I did not know a single person in the whole province. (laughs) And I had only one connection. And um, right before I was ready to give up on moving to Saskatchewan, like things were not clicking into place. I ran into these missionaries at our church that I had done a mission trip with to Guatemala. And I just told them, they asked me what was going on in my life. And I said, hey, like, um, I feel called to Saskatchewan to do more ministry school, but I just haven't been able to find the right school, you know, that's like spirit filled and like everything that God's called me to. And they say to me, oh, well, our best friend (laughs) is a dean of a spirit spirit-filled revival bible college in saskatoon saskatchewan (laughs) and i'm like of course of course they are (laughs) and so i contacted them like got into ministry school there two weeks later god sent me um someone to live with like again i was like ready to throw my hands up in the air i'm like i don't know where i'm gonna live i don't know anyone this is scary i give up and then i get an email hey you should contact this girl she's looking for a roommate i literally contact her and she's the landlord and she's like i'm moving to of course bethel in redding california i need someone to sub let my room. And I'm like, of course she got to go to Bethel. Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I've been praying all summer for someone to come sublet my condo. And God kept telling me so many people look, it's like a brand new condo, like beautiful. And she's like, but every time someone came, the Holy spirit would say to me, I'm sending you the perfect person. She's like, I'm leaving in less than a week. I won't even meet you, but I know you're the perfect person. So oh. pray about it, but I think it's you. So that's how I came to Saskatchewan. <laughs> wow. Oh. in a nutshell god is so good oh and i didn't have gas money to get here and somebody hit my car and had, <laughs> and they wanted to pay me cash instead of go through insurance so i got 800 bucks cash moving here it was a dent in the bumper i didn't even fix it so god like literally yeah. where he guides he provides right
1: um that you wrote which one your description of your of your husband.
2: Yeah, Oh Wade is reminding me. Um, just like I don't know, I made like a a, a list, if you <laughs> will, like a lot of girls do, like what you're looking for in a husband, right? I was really de- detailed, and then I also though to encourage those waiting for marriage, um, I made a list for myself, like who I wanted to be when I met my husband. I wanted to be healed. I wanted to be on fire for God. You know, it's not about meeting the right person; it's about being the right person. Um, so, anyways, long story short, literally, Wade was like everything on that list when we met well as we got to know each other and god did some refining too. But <laughs> hallelujah
0: <laughs> didn't want to leave out that piece hey eh, buddy
2: <laughs> <laughs> but how did we meet why don't you tell <laughs> yeah um
1: i was actually uh working with other ministries and she was working with ministries here when she first got here right away
0: was this uh, in saskatoon
1: yeah and, okay and Indigenous ministries and um The school that we eventually both went, but we were crossing paths uh, on a few uh, ministry occasions, and I happened to be the MC of one of the conferences that were held in Prince Albert. It's an hour and a half from where we are here, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was the MC there, and that's when I first uh, saw her. And uh, yeah, I got (laughs) tongue-tied and everything else that comes with that. So. I wasn't making my, making any sense in my conversations, but I couldn't really talk to her the first time. Second time became easier than the third time. <laughs> I had the uh, guts to ask her, though. <laughs> i go for
2: coffee <laughs> so funny <laughs> Yeah, i was actually really crazy too because I, I did like an inner healing session right before i moved here and they prophesied over me at the end we just see you on reserves and working with indigenous people and especially like young girls and i moved here and then the first couple weeks of Babel school they said to me um usually we do like a mission trip overseas to like latin america but this year we're going to do a mission trip to a reserve here in saskatchewan So that was just so crazy. And then they asked, you know, any volunteers for this leaders conference where I met Wade and I'm like, well, I'm called indigenous ministry, I guess someone prophesied that over me. So I signed up and that's where we met two weeks after me moving here. So,
0: (laughs) And so when you came, you obviously felt called. So you came with sort of no departure plan. So the apartment that you subletted was, did that person went to take a course at Reading? So they were coming back?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I had another roommate as well, um, me and another girl living there. And then when my landlord came back in the summer, um, the other person like wanted to move out or whatever. So she took her room and and I shared with her and yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, you shared with the landlord in her own condo. Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was cool. she was really, had a lot of wisdom coming back. So,
0: (laughs) so you guys went together to, uh, a community that, that first time.
2: Um, it was our actually called, which is so cool, where eagles fly, <laughs> Indigenous Leaders Conference. And like, that's just been such a, ever since I moved to Saskatchewan, God's been speaking to me about eagles. And so it was cool that we we met there. Um, but yeah, it was more like a, a native leaders conference. And I was just there to run the Bible college table and say, if anyone's interested, here's pamphlets kind of deal. He was emceeing it.
1: Yeah, I got to speak on a lot of uh, those occasions. And I was already ministering in northern Saskatchewan in Northern communities. So I got to, that's how I got uh, connected with all the other ministers that had invited me to go into conferences, either to preach or to MC. And uh, yeah, and that's kind of how uh, things worked itself. In. And so we've been doing that. I've been doing that ever since.
0: So so Jenny, you were out in the, I don't know about concession area, but you were in the outskirts at a table then. That's right. And the MC, who's supposed to be Focused on emceeing somehow. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we got introduced through the dean of the Bible <laughs> college because they already knew him and so they kind of introduced us but it's funny because Wade said that the Lord had been speaking to him and the dean had been asking him for years to come yeah. to Bible college and the
1: senior pastor already a year and a half prior to meeting her yeah. but
2: yeah. it was like the Lord used me as a bait <laughs> to get him to come finally <laughs> because after we started dating Wade wanted to quit his job and immediately come to Saskatoon to ba- <laughs> Bible school so so <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: And I received the word, um, prior to her even coming to Saskatoon, uh, your, your wife is coming. Oh, your wow. wife is coming, yeah. coming. by three different ministers came up to me, uh, different times, yeah. uh, wow. about a span of a month, two two and a half months telling me that she's on her way. And, uh, and I'm thinking, wow. Yeah. And sure enough, things just started falling into place. Were the you Lord still needed to do a work? Yeah.
0: Were you living at, at Pinehouse Lake at the time?
1: Yeah. 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 I was, I've been born and raised uh, in our uh, northern community. Yeah. Um, me speaking my first language in Cree, so I was translating into English more. So coming here was a a big leap of faith. Uh, and yeah, it's, God really did a work. Yeah. It's been a presence.
0: So okay, so um I don't know that you have to go into all kinds of details or whatever, but you you guys obviously eventually got how long after you guys met did you get married and then when did you decide to start this ministry or what did you guys what were you guys were you guys both in ministry when you got married
2: um so um (laughs) wade tried to propose after three months of dating (laughs) (laughs) and i wanted to marry him i also loved him (laughs) but um when i prayed like the importance of having a prayer life right like the holy spirit was just like No, like he was, I just felt a lack of peace and I didn't know why, because literally Wade was everything I felt I've been waiting for and like was also ready to commit, which was like a struggle for me in the past, finding someone ready to commit. And it was just so cool. Like I wanted to be with him, but yeah, I didn't have peace when I prayed. I I didn't have to understand. I knew I knew the voice of God and I was like, "Okay, hey, if the Holy Spirit's saying no right now, I just have to trust him." So mm-hmm. I had to break up with him, which was like horrible. Like I'm living out here in the middle of nowhere and my one joy <laughs> was like I had a break up with him now. And so I did and it was really challenging. Um, and then I second guessed myself and we got back together for like a month <laughs> and then again I would pray and there'd be a lack of peace I'm like okay so I decided to date Jesus um, for a year I know that sounds cheesy but I mean I'm always dating Jesus he is our first love he's our everything but I decided to take a year to just really um, just be like I told him I'm like I'm not interested in anyone else I'm not dating anyone else but I, I need to focus on the Lord um, just for a year and just go deeper with him and not focus on relationships and I, and I said you do what whatever you want like that's that's what love is like you just if you, you meet someone else i have to take that risk but this is what i need to do for a year um so in that year it was cool um maybe we can speak of it but um i got to develop a friendship with him because i think when you first meet and you start dating you're just so infatuated and you know like you're just really like wanting to be close to each other and i think that um god just had to do a work of like purity and and mm-hmm. some deeper work and you don't share yeah
1: the, the first year I came into <clears throat> to Bible school and, and uh, the way he brought me into uh, Saskatoon, um, I, I had, I didn't need faith where I was at because I had the money. I had everything that's needed. I didn't really need to. It seemed that I really needed to rely on him when I came to Saskatoon, because before I wasn't relying on him because I had everything to my hand, the, the disposal to my hand whatever I needed. But when I came here, everything that i that i uh, uh, trusted in i started losing one by one at the end she was the last <laughs> bit when she said i have to go um, my own way for one year And uh, and that that just killed me right there. Uh, And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And so my full focus uh, was on the Holy Spirit afterwards. And God started working my first year when I came to uh, Bible school. And I met men of God that spoke into my life that God had to do a work in my heart. Mm -hmm. And he started to plow things that were in my heart that I didn't know was in my heart because I didn't need that somewhat faith Mm -hmm. to, to rely on him. But when I came here, I had nothing And so God started plowing those things out that first year. Um, And then I started receiving deliverance my first year. And that's why the Holy Spirit was stopping her from being with me because God needed to work a a deep work in me Mm -hmm. the first year. And then I started experiencing such a a breakthrough into that full year because I was so focused on him because I was... Failing miserably in Bible school, I, my relationship that I thought was going to be I was going to get married like right now mm-hmm. never happened that i that I thought so go, go, God was a Jehovah sneaky right so I just like <laughs> I like got here a lot it seemed like I lost everything, but here I was gaining everything because I was encountering God in such an amazing way mm-hmm. that following here I just had like an explosion and my relationship with God was so uh, so amazing, and I encountered him in a I, I no longer had confidence or I was not so self-conscious. I was more God conscious and more uh, my confidence was coming from him. Sort and I
2: said. could tell a difference. So like at the first, when we first started, he was like, really like, um, like needy, <laughs> like just real dependent on me. And like, if I wasn't with him, like I could feel like this, like, you know, like clinging and I'm like, he came. Uh, like something's off you know But girls
0: ladies don't like clingy and needy
2: (laughs) maybe some girls do i just didn't (laughs) i just i felt like he needed to have his confidence come from the lord right and after that year i saw that like he was like no this is who i am in god and if you like want to be with me like fine but like i know who i am in christ because our identity has to come from the lord first otherwise nobody can love you right because you're pulling off of them to feel loved, But when you know you're loved, then you can be in a healthy relationship. So that's what was the difference. And after my year, like literally the day before my one year ended, um, he just like, listen, I know your year is ending tomorrow, <laughs> no pressure. And like, I just want you to know, like I would love to be your boyfriend and I'd love to pursue a relationship with you again. And I was going away that weekend. So it's like, take the weekend, like, you know, whatever. And I called some of my accountability partners, pastors and, have been praying for me throughout the year and you know they're like we've seen wade's walk they were our bible college um profs and stuff and they're like we see no like red flags like if you feel to go back into this relationship go ahead um so we did and it was awesome and uh he proposed three months about not even maybe two two months after us getting back together and um but we were engaged for a long time we were engaged for 10 months because we wanted to graduate ministry school first i was doing a master's degree i was writing my Master's thesis. So we finished that chapter and got married a month after we graduated. And your previous question, how did Inspire Fire Ministry start? Actually, um I think we both knew, but like I knew for a long time I was called to full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. um we're all in full-time ministry, no matter what profession you do. Yeah. I think I did a yeah, lot exactly. of full-time ministry when I was a public school teacher. Um, but, different people have different callings, right? And you have to, you have to love that and embrace it. So um, when I was actually back in Ontario, um, our executive pastor of my church at the time was one of my mentors and he gave me homework and he says, okay, Jenny, like I see a call in your life. You feel called to to ministry. So what would your ministry be called? I want you to pray about it and ask God. And so I came back to him a couple of weeks later. And I said, inspire fire ministries. That's what I feel like God has called me to do. And he's like, I like that. That's really good. <laughs> And then uh, God called me to Saskatchewan, and and I guess I kind of put it on the shelf because you know we were doing other stuff. But after we got married, um, COVID happened. We got pregnant on our honeymoon. God is good. <laughs> um, and then um, our son was born March 2020. Wow. So lockdowns happened, so on and so forth. Um, but it was such a cool season, challenging, very challenging for everyone in the world. Um, but such an amazing season where the scripture that God kept giving us was um, I believe it's in Mark, maybe it's Matthew. But anyways, it's like, do not fear the one that can kill the body, but the one that can kill the body and soul in hell. Very intense, but very true, right? We're seeing people um in fear, we're seeing people in bondage. I used to work at Teen Challenge ministry. Wade came out of an addictions background, like just seeing people just racked with with demons right and like so much isolation and people dying of sicknesses which were real but also just bondage you know um and so i was like yeah okay <laughs> you know don't fear the one that can kill the body but the body and soul in hell we were like people are dying and they need to know jesus eternity is so much more important than the right here and right now like i remember um back in the day like there's that um, like a with object lesson where there's like a rope and like the, this little bit of the rope is here and now on earth. And then like, a whole long, exceedingly long rope, that's eternity. Right. And so that just like was really wrecking us and like the urgency in our spirit to share the gospel and like get people discipled in Jesus. Um, because eternity is a long time. And my heart was just starting to break for souls. Um, so (laughs) when the thing ended, um, I went back to work at teen challenge for one month (laughs) and, um, And while I was there, the last day of my job there um, in the chapel, Wade had just been interviewed on Huntley Street. So they showed um, that video in the chapel. And um, at the very end of the interview, the interviewer said, and, you know, God bless you, Wade Sanderson and your family in Inspire Fire Ministries, what you guys are called to. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me as like, inspire fire ministries is what you're supposed to be doing so i quit my job that day i asked Wade, and he said yeah and we created like an instagram and a facebook and we were just like whoever will let us preach the gospel wherever we go we're just going to start preaching the gospel and we'll see what god does we literally had no backup plan we had no money coming in we had a baby and we are just like like, we're called to this, God's going to provide. <laughs> and he has, we've had more money since I quit my job than when we were working. <laughs> God is so good. <laughs> wow.
0: So what is the, what is the heart of your ministry? Is it uh, obviously to preach the gospel, but is there a heart further or deeper than that to a specific area, people, or?
2: Yes. what's what, sorry um I will paraphrase our mission statement but basically it's to heal and revive all peoples especially our indigenous brothers and sisters through the love and the power and Jesus Christ and the holy Spirit awesome I'm paraphrasing something like that <laughs> awesome
0: and and Wade um I don't know if you had mentioned this last time or through mutual friends but was there a time where you like you didn't want to minister well maybe not didn't want isn't the word but you didn't want to minister to the indigenous you wanted to go out of those communities or you felt but you were called back or something
1: yeah well well before even this like i even with my own uh, race I, I was racist towards my own race as i was growing up and the lord had to do do that work in me that deep work in me with uh, our own our own people and then when I received that healing, um, I knew that I was called to all nations to minister this good news. And it, it didn't matter where the door opened, I'll go. It doesn't matter. But I know God, as I was doing that, I was ministering to all races, all nationalities, but God started putting into my heart, uh, our native people uh, need the gospel and the good news uh, of what it really is. And so what did it, God did that deep work in me. I knew I needed to go and give back to it god had did for me and he could do it for me he can do it for any native person any black person any chinese any white it doesn't matter but uh, because i'm i speak the language and I, and I go back and i give what god has freely given me to whoever especially our native people
2: mm.
0: and so, and so you guys have been doing that for a bunch of years now how jenny how are you accepted when you go into these communities
2: Honestly, like, um, so when I first moved here, I got connected with an indigenous pastor, um, a couple that had a, an indigenous church here in the city. So, right from the get go, like, I was a part of an indigenous church, I ran the young girls group, and I forgot, and I still forget I'm white. <laughs> like, I have a little <laughs> bit of indigenous in me. I think that like, my grandpa was half or something, but like, I literally forget, like, <laughs> and they forget too. Like, they'll talk about, like, you know, honestly, sometimes they've talked about white people in a negative way, and I'm like, yeah, like, how. How could they and i'm like oh, wait i'm white <laughs> <laughs> like i like i just forget because honestly like god gives you a heart for the people you're called to i again i'd love to do some dna testing i i don't know how much indigenous <laughs> is in me but like yeah i i don't know i have never ever felt anything but like so much love and acceptance and like i could just cry like i even remember my first um, mission trip or whatever in bible school to my first reserve that i had been to and like, they'll, they gave you like the shirt off your back. Like, like I remember I was like, Oh, I love those feather earrings. They're right. so nice. And the next day the pastor gave me this beautiful pair of feather earrings. Like, just like, yeah, I felt like nothing but so much love and like, yeah, so much acceptance. Wade sometimes says that like some girls will give me eyes, <laughs> but I never noticed. Like, I just, I, I love, like, I feel so much love in my spirit. So <laughs>
0: yeah. And do you find the messages were it's maybe that wasn't the right. Because, uh, you know, people are accepting, not that they're not accepting of other people, but accepting of the message that you're bringing. And do you ever yeah. go separately? Do you ever or do you guys do everything together?
1: We 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 can. We could go to the, if, she need, if she's called like to women's ministry work. I definitely I bless her and she does this. I do the same thing like I was yesterday with Teen Challenge. I went to go minister. I go and share uh, the heart of what God's placed in my heart to people and encountering him. And when that happens, when you come from a place of a testimony, I uh, I call them a preachimony. So when I come into that, any kind of setting, they can't refute the truth of what I'm sharing because it comes from a place of that's exactly where I was and God set me free and he'll do it for you.
2: Yeah. yeah I've never like wherever we've gone, like, never have i felt resistance really like just like the the anointing breaks the yoke and like as soon as wade starts to share like there's just such an anointing that comes like you know and yeah so most of the time wade goes and i stay home with our boy or or we'll travel as a family but but yeah it's just like kind of the season we're in but yeah god is so good
0: (laughs) that's a t-shirt right there the anointing breaks the yoke
2: Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Might see that on a
0: Disciples City shirt. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: we'll cite you for it though. Give you cred.
2: <laughs> uh, it's the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus
0: get the cred. So um how many communities have you guys been to in Saskatchewan? And are are they all open? Are some more open than others? Or how does that work? How do you get connected, Wade? Wow.
2: Yeah,
1: as soon as we said we're going to we're gonna step out, we got a call right away about five days after when we said we're going to go into Inspire Fire Ministries. Um, all of a sudden, we got a call, right, uh, in Meadow Lake. And we, we've hit about eight reserves. and We hit about 20 churches, uh, different communities. So we did, 20. Uh, yeah, 20, 30 communities, and we circulated. Uh, they would invite us back. So they were, re- they were really receptive.
2: It's a good sign when you get invited back. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and we bring uh, different dynamics as she ministers. If there's more women, I get her to minister as God leads, but I always bring uh, testimony slash uh, preaching uh, to everywhere, and it just does wonders. And the key thing of regarding our ministry, and I had said this to Father God, that I want you to encounter the people like you did with me. When I encountered you, it set me free. So I, every time when we go into places like this, um, people just get um, massively healed in, in the meetings and people getting touched and people, uh, their hearts softening and giving their hearts to Jesus. And that's what we were seeing uh, as we traveled into the 2030 places and especially in our indigenous places where they're healing camps or family camps we i we got to go and minister into that and then we told them about the healing that had taken place within our hearts in our in our own personal lives and as a ministry as we were going so that really uh blessed the audience and they really opened up to our messages and majority of the um, places we've We went, they really gravitated to us, and they accepted the message. Mm. So God really did something amazing. And the presence of God was like... If you would have been, people couldn't say anything because the presence of God shows up in touches of people and heal and heal their bodies. Hallelujah. People getting healed in their hearts. People wanting to give their hearts to Jesus and mm. their body parts. And they're, 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 walking home happy. They're healed. <laughs> it was so really amazing. And that's what I had told father God when I, when I had come to him and I said, I want you to touch the people like you did to me. Mm. And he healed me and he's also healing others. And that's what's happening. Amen. This
0: Um, speaking, speaking of supernatural healing from the Lord, when you go into a community or have you been into a community for the first time where, because there's a lot of cultural things, right? Like with tobacco and different things, um, you know, some things I'm familiar with, some not, but with, with, uh, that traditional, um, healings and different things in that culture, um, man, it must be so powerful when, when. God actually physically heals somebody to totally turn those tables upside down. Eh?
1: Yeah. And uh sometimes it's 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 when I go into an area like if there if there is no belief, I just come in with uh what has changed in my life. And then at the same time, I don't try to speak over it. I just come and give the example and demonstrate the power of God. And when that happens, nobody can say it's not true because what's happening in your life and what's happening to the people. And then my language as well. My first language is Cree. So I speak and it breaks barriers. When I come in, I'm speaking only sometimes in my language because sometimes when I go into these places, that's their first language as well. If I come in and I share scripture in Cree as the Holy Spirit leads me, then God would give me a word and I would start speaking and then that word would hit somebody in the audience and some. And then the the gifts of the Spirit start operating within the meetings. And then the Holy Spirit would uh, just isolate and touch a person powerfully while I'm ministering because that that person said, you were speaking to me. That's exactly uh, nobody knows this, but God, they would say. It's like a word of knowledge in Cree. And this is what the scripture says, and just amazing things like that. And the word has come alive. Mm-hmm. And that's what the, the church is, and that's what it reserves, and that's what everybody is needing is the presence and the power of God manifesting in the community, and then things will definitely change. Everything turns around and when the presence of God shows up, like it did in our community in 2000, because we encountered the presence and the power of God, and it changes everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Jenny, have you learned some Cree? Do you speak a little Cree?
2: <laughs> when we were dating I like would write down lots of different things that he would say and like try to make my own little dictionary but um, I say a few things but I'm by no means fluent <laughs> but yeah, maybe uh, when my kid is a little older we'll take a course or something <laughs> Is it is it difficult?
0: Is it difficult to learn?
2: It, it's very different than English I'll just say that <laughs> like I can say like which is like, hi, how are you? I can say like, God bless you. <laughs> but like, just so different than English. <laughs> like I, I'm also French. Like I used to be a French teacher. Um, So like for me, I can understand Creole or Spanish wouldn't be a huge jump, but Cree is so, so different. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to, I'd love to learn more. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's, I was going to just mention that, right? You know how if you speak French, Spanish is pretty easy to pick up. English is supposedly one of the hardest languages. Right. Because we're just so many words that the same word means three, four different things. So I was just curious about Cree.
2: And Cree is interesting because like, there's so many words yeah. that are not in the language. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, how do you say a lion? He's like, there's no word for lion. There were no lions when we made our language. <laughs> I'm, like, okay. I'm like, How do you say you're welcome? We don't say you're welcome. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but it's yeah, really that's, cool.
0: that's interesting. So I've, I've had some opportunities to be in, uh, in Nunavut and mm. for the Inuit, there is no please. It, right. it doesn't exist in their language. And so someone, you know, preparing you for the culture, when you go up there, it's like, no, nobody will say, you know, can you pass something, please? They just say, give me this
2: <laughs> and don't, don't be
0: offended, but there is no work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, in, yeah it's so interesting.
2: That's
0: awesome. Um, so you guys were just doing something. Cause I saw on your social media th- in, in the last week where you had 20 salvations, you saw 20 salvations. Can you share that testimony?
1: Oh yeah. Um, we, this is our second time we got invited to go to camp, campsack. And, uh, the other one was, uh, what was the other place? It
2: was, um, Madge Lake.
1: Madge Lake. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there was a powerful meeting there too. There was 40 that either gave their lives to Jesus or rededicated. Now this one, uh, I came to that meeting. There's people that came in from two hours to come and listen to the meeting. And, uh, it was so powerful. When he did, the, after I finished sharing, I talked to, I, I, I've been so blessed by this and I have to share this. Okay. <laughs> Billy Graham had said this, mm-hmm. that the brown giant is going to arise. Uh, and that's what, in 1975, he prophesied over this. And so, there's going to be like a superpower. There's going to be such a move of God's spirit. And I shared this on the sons and daughters arise. That's the message I gave out. Mm-hmm. When I finished sharing this message at this meeting, the whole, the whole congregation got up and came forward. Wow it was It was so crazy, like the pastor was getting hit by the Holy Spirit, he was in tears, and the, mm. the music, everything the presence was so strong, was so beautiful. Everybody just got ministered, people were <laughs> rededicating their lives and giving their hearts to Jesus, and you could just feel the sincerity because of the love of God in that place, and I knew that God is raising up the sons and daughters, and they're gonna arise, and I really feel. Now, wherever we go, this is what's starting to happen. People are starting to stand and say, I'm going to walk for Christ. Oh, yeah! Changes everything.
0: Wow. That's so awesome. That's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is next? What's, uh, what's the next, what does the, the, the rest of the year look like for you guys with ministry?
2: Yeah, well, we're working on a few things right now. Like, we've only been doing this since November of 2021. And so it's been a couple of years. So we're finally building a website. It's in its second phase of three phases. So that will be awesome. Just like some of the background stuff. But um, with preaching at a church locally in December, and potentially he was just invited like to a very isolated community. But we're just kind of praying about what that would look like for us. So yeah.
1: in Ontario, yeah, mm-hmm. they want me to go and do workshops and minister in the evenings. So I don't know how that would look, but I, I would just share as God would, puts in my heart regarding that. So we're still in a talking phase regarding that, but I, I really believe that there's open doors happening all over uh, to come and share. And also the churches that I've been attending, I've been actually – God's been ministering to me to minister to the churches, and the churches are starting to work together, Mm. coming together. Even churches right now, Nigerians, Filipinos, um, they've been asked by the Spirit of God to reach out to Indigenous communities, and they've been wanting a guy that's, or ministry that's been on the ground, and they've been asking me to come in to link uh, them to to work with them and giving them the idea of what's taking place in the reserves and whatnot. And then they want to go in and help. So they're kind of helping in that department and I'm helping them. And I feel that the body of Christ is coming together. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that's what this year is going to be like Mm -hmm. is building the body of Christ to equip the saints to reach out into indigenous uh, communities and just in church in general, that the body of Christ would come together and work as one one spirit and
0: one mind. So yeah. Impressive. Wow. Wow. Well, guys, thanks very much for sharing today, Jenny, for sharing your story and talking about your ministry. We just bless you guys in that, um, friends. It's there on Facebook, inspire fire ministries on Facebook. You guys are on Instagram, inspire underscore fire underscore ministries. We'll leave that. That'll be tagged on in the notes here in the podcast um guys uh all the best to you for the rest of the year look forward to seeing you hopefully in the in the near future um and just a, a final question for you um what are your guys hopes for the first nations community in saskatchewan obviously the whole country but specifically saskatchewan what would you like to see over the next year
2: okay well we prayed I think it was like a year and a half ago we got like the map of Saskatchewan and literally like wept over and said God give us every reserve like we want to go to every reserve and share the gospel we want to see lives transformed and also just um he was talking about Billy Graham gave a prophetic word back in 1975 but Will Graham Billy Graham's grandson at this huge um indigenous leaders meeting in 2022 He prophesied, I believe we're going to see Native people on fire for Christ, leading other Native people to Jesus, leading the last great revival. Sorry, I'm going to try not to cry. (laughs) I don't think that it will be just the preachers leading a revival, but the broken repenting and turning to Christ. I pray that this is just the beginning. And um, I think that is our hearts, like to see Indigenous people in the fullness of Christ, on fire for Christ, sharing what he's done for them, like my husband does. So, yeah, what else do you want to see, honey? (laughs) Praise God. Uh, um...
1: I want to see the, uh, just like the book of Acts, Mm -hmm. chapter 2, happen in every reserve, that God would pour out his spirit like mm. he said he was going to, and it's going to be greater than the former. Mm. That's what I believe for Saskatchewan's reserves, that the spirit of God would pour his spirit like he did on us mm. when we encountered him. And that, that's what it, that's, that's where it is. That it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time.
2: Mm.
1: We just need to be, to have the people in place to do it. And, you're gonna see the greatest, powerful, most powerful, most anointed move of God that you'd ever see. It's coming mm. to every reserve in Jesus' name. Because I've experienced it, my community experienced it, and all the reserves are gonna experience it in Jesus' mm-hmm. name. It's gonna be amazing.
2: Yeah, just the beginning.
0: That's <laughs> uh, the
1: beginning.
0: And bro, we just stand in agreement with that man—that the Holy Spirit would just pour out on those communities man.
2: Mm, yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much you guys.
2: Thank you. Man.
0: The anointing breaks through the yoke friends. And we're all in full-time ministry. Like Jenny said, wherever you are, you're in full-time ministry. And you don't have to try to plan to say things because the anointing breaks through the yoke. If you press into him, he will speak and work through you to reach others. It was interesting, uh, Wade talking about he had everything that he needed and didn't know that he needed a work to be done in his heart. I just encourage you, maybe you have everything you need right now. Maybe you're not really relying on the Lord. Maybe you believe, you have faith, but you have everything you need, so you're not really relying. So I just encourage you to just pour more into him and see if there's a work that needs to be done in your heart. And friends, stand with us and let's pray for the First Nations, not only in Saskatchewan, but all across this country. If they're the First Nations, maybe revival has to begin with the First Nations to see Canada saved.